Welcome to the Crone's Porch. Magic, witchcraft, and a crone approach to magical faith. Uh, this is your grandmother's podcast. Content warning for the use of colorful language, uh, some general curmudgeonry and salty attitudes, and uh, whatever comes out of our brains. So content warning on some of those things. Uh, <laughs> we express these views as people following a crone path. Yeah. So on this episode, we talk about Emolk and its healing energies. Uh, we uh, This is going to be one of our more stream of consciousness ones, so stick with us, but we think we bring a lot of hopeful energy to this new time. Hi, Colin. Hi, Ian. How's, how's it going? <laughs> um, that's a loaded question still these days. I never know how to answer that. Do you have a, like, a canned answer? You oh, yeah, I have with? a canned answer. That's fine. The world's falling apart, but it's good. <laughs> I need to, I have, like, versions of that, like, world's burning, but can't complain, uh, live through a coup, can't complain. <laughs> well, see, the thing, the great thing is, is that for most people, that would be relatively innocuous, but for us of our tradition, there is a kind of an undercurrent of hope, because when something dies, there is a reborn, a rebirth. That's true, it's hard to describe that sometimes, of, like... The world is burning. I'm doing terrible because pandemic, all the bad things right. happening. But I'm hopeful because I can see a longer game. And people are like, how are you hopeful? Right. And I think real talk, this is the perfect time to talk about it, is the fact that, like, it's okay to not be okay right now. Like, it's okay to not be okay whenever. But yeah. it's especially okay to be not okay. And, like, I struggle. But we're here. And we're doing things. And we're in person. And it's also, oh, <laughs> pandemic-wise, okay to, like, be chill. Also like, if true. you're, like, not going through it, but also not, you know, like, living your best life, but not living your worst life, you're just kind of, like, hovering. Good for you. On autopilot. Like, fine. <laughs> you don't need to be living through the most traumatic, like, yeah. pandemic doesn't have to be super high trauma, traumatic yeah. experience. If it's, like, chill... Living it. Uh, yeah. Living absolutely. Chill. Absolutely. I agree. <laughs> so what we drinking? Uh, I'm living my best mainstream fantasy with uh, a hard seltzer. I found one that I actually like. Seltzer tastes like I'm drinking oh. rock water, uh, which is usually gross. Ooh, mineral. Yes. Uh, this one is lemonade, so it's basically just carbonated out. Oh, okay. okay. I am drinking hazelnut liqueur, and the reason I'm drinking that is because in the Gaelic tradition, hazelnuts are said to contain knowledge and wisdom, and there's, like, the sacred hazelnuts, and that's a whole big story I'll tell another day. All I can think about now in our, like, celebratory, in my celebratory, like, buzz state is just, like, holy nuts. Yeah, literally. <laughs> or knowledge nut. I'm sucking them holy nuts. <laughs> Oh, fine. We have to do... Now we have to definitely do a magical, like, s s sexuality sex episode because now I'm thinking of, like, the post-nut, like, clarity of when you, like, connect into the universe. Yeah. No, you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Notes for later. Notes for later. But, uh, Slancha. Cheers. Clink. We can do a better clink. We can do a better clink. Let's... Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that will show up on edit. <laughs> eh. So, we are talking about Imolk today. Yeah. I'm super excited. This is our last stop on the Wheel of the Year before we complete a full year. I know, because we did a weird staggered time. 
Yeah. We started on Marzana's day of all things. It's true. And also the the new year would have been salad, so we missed that. We didn't even do it during calendar new year. We decided nope. to wait till springtime new year, which is like fits. Renewal. Yeah, absolutely. We, so we let's nothing. get stuck into New Year or New Year. Fuck you put it in my brain. <laughs> let's get stuck into Immol, goddammit. Yeah. Uh so this podcast is gonna be kinda dual purpose one hand educational because it's our last like intro right wheel of the year episode other side is gonna be a little bit of ritual because we're celebrating it now we're yeah. a little behind the times because we just have to do less weekend life is life is uh complicated time's not real dab no one can see that no one can see us dabbing for effect, but dab for effect. So, uh, I guess the little bit of format, we're going to call some deities. We're not going to do a circle. Cause we're, no. Yeah. We're just going to call, we're just going to call our main mom here. Main mom. Uh, we'll talk about invoke, talk about some traditions, do some centering. We'll talk about some healing and healing practices and why we think it's important, especially right now. <laughs> yes. Yes. And also some probably some radical thoughts that go around there because that's what we do, you in particular. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I'm all homie and ancient. You're all like revolutionary. <laughs> and then we'll clean up, wrap up, say goodbye, and peace out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So shall we start with the history anthropology? I lecture at you bit. No, I think we should call mom first. Oh, we should call mom first. Yeah. Hi, mom. Blessed Bridget, Brige, Brid, Bride, Brigantia, Shining Goddess of Fire, Triple Goddess of the Hearth, Poetry, and of Smithcraft, we call you to us for your healing energies, for your glowing light, sovereignty, compassion, and for the resolve to get shit done. Blessed Breed, please be with us as we create this podcast, and if our listeners would like it to be present in their lives as they choose to accept you. Oh Breed, I make, we make you this offering so that you may enjoy this time with us and this blessed Imolk season, even in these chaotic times. Your presence is most welcome. Hail and welcome. Hail and welcome. Now the luxury bit. Now the luxury bit. <laughs> Ooh. I'm like getting like not my magic-y chills, but I can like definitely feel like the atmosphere like around me. Oh yeah, there's a, uh, a weighted blanket on the yeah on the space. Comfy weighted blanket because it's not. It's nice. I've just been having weird, and it's and this is gonna be so. I'm gonna preface this with like, there's gonna be weird feels for me here because my. With my, I don't know, we've probably brought it up, my obsessive compulsive disorder has been, like, really focusing in on intrusive thoughts about losing my faith. So, mm -hmm. like, that will come up for this. So, if, like, that's a trigger for anyone, I just want to let you know. Also, as we're talking about, Breed or Bridget has been adopted as a Catholic saint. And so, that energy does come through, and that's a trigger for me also. Wow. So, um, we'll see what happens. Ah, yeah. But, um, so, Imolk is fun. 
it's a primarily a Gaelic tradition that like many of the stops in the Wheel of the Year was kind of appropriated by Wiccanism and just sort of high British paganism like back in the eighteen late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds. Smash together with Germanic traditions. Yeah. And made a wheel. Yeah, just like just like do you like do you like Germanic tradition? Do you like Gaelic tradition? Do you not really want to explore the cultures of both, but really like the names? <laughs> Let's make a wheel of the year. <laughs> but you know, for all of my bitching, it works out relatively well. It gives a nice eight. It, it gives eight a nice. <laughs> it gives a nice time. We do a nine because we have Crohn's Day, but we haven't really fulfilled that one yet. We'll figure it out. <laughs> like Crohn's, we're a little slow on the ball yeah. figuring out when that actually happens. We're working on it. <laughs> Anyways, um, so Immel. There's various etymologies, mostly to do with like milk and the 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 lactation, because this is generally the time in the northern hemisphere when the mammals start to lactate in preparation for giving birth to animals. It's also a time when everyone's just about fed up with it being dark and cold. <laughs> yeah, we're just past the like freak out that like it's still dark and cold, and we're asking for the light to come back, and this is like the all right. I'm tired of this shit. This, 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 this gotta stop now. <laughs> and it's, and so it's kind of calling, calling back the light in a more chill sense and kind of like a, yep, we have our fire. We recognize a fire, but also like celebrating like hearth and home mm -hmm. and healing and keeping each other sane and out of trouble to the best of our ability, as well as preparing for the work ahead of us. Um, cause spring is coming, so it means a lot of high intensity stuff is on its way. So it's, it's, it's sort of anticipatory in uh -huh. my mind. I don't know as much about how ancient traditions was celebrated in particular. This is one of my areas of not particular knowledge. It's something I'm expanding on, but the centerpiece in the Gaelic tradition is breed or Bridget or bride, depending on which pronunciation she is traditionally she is the da the daughter of the Dagda and the Morrigan. I mean, some others say that she's a daughter of Boan, but I call bullshit. She, she, she call bullshit. <laughs> and she is not just one goddess. She's a triple goddess. She's a triplets, all named Bridget. That's just uncreative. She, she, but like works. Well, because they're all part of a whole in a certain That's sense. That's fair. But because there's the blacksmith Bridget, there is the hearthkeeper slash priestess Bridget, mm -hmm. the healer. And then there is the poet, or the fire of the breast, Bridget, and also lawkeeper. So she she is she's sort of seen as she is a she's a goddess of sovereignty. She appears in many forms. I think she's one of the few goddesses that you could actually say is pan Celtic. Like there is a version of her in pretty much all the different Ooh, places. Nice. Um, and she is almost universally a goddess of fire and sovereignty, and sort of the creative element. Mm -hmm. Um. She is often seen as kind of the compassionate, the motherly. Mm -hmm. She's kind of similar in a way to like Freya and Hera, and she fulfills a or or and like um I guess like Ishtar mm -hmm. and like she and Isis. She fills like the magical young mother who is equal parts compassionate caregiver and stone cold badass. Yep, um, makes sense. <laughs> and she. She is so beloved that when Christianity decided to move its way into Ireland and Scotland, um, that they were so people were so reluctant to give her up that Christianity went, "Oh, did you not know that we have a Saint Bridget who was the midwife to Jesus?" 
<laughs> and so she gets to keep all of her associations of the compassionate mother figure without having to violate the idea of there being a singular deity. Um, but so for me, that energy, that dual energy does come through a little bit. Like, I don't think, in my experience, she doesn't particularly dislike being a saint also. Like, I never got that idea of, like, she resents that. No, I think it still fulfills a connection to her people. And a connection to, like, the role that she plays. Yeah. It's just like, okay, you've changed my title. Okay. Yeah. Sure. But the feeling I get from her is constantly compassion. I think we brought it up on the show before. Is Her motherhood is very much that, like unlimited positive regard just like keep going i believe in you i'm here for you and i want like like we talked about the macaroni pictures of human effort like she's the one who puts them on the she's the one who puts them on the fridge and is so proud of you for trying versus like you've talked about freya who'd be like you can do better (laughs) (laughs) they're like this is nice you could do better So she's, she, I feel like she is, she can challenge, but her big thing is like calling people to the hearth and Mm -hmm. making sure they're okay. Yeah. She, she would be the one who like makes sure everyone drinks water at a party type of energy. (laughs) And so for Imolk, that really centers, um, healing. But there's a couple of traditions I like to talk about in terms of like craft. Like there's something called the Breed's Cross, which is sort of a, Ian is holding one up, but you can't see it. (laughs) It's sort of an off-center four-pointed cross, equilateral four-pointed cross with sort of a knot in the center that is seems to predate Christianity even and is a representation of the sun in a certain way, of fire and of light. Mm-hmm. And it also wards off evil. It sort of brings peace in the home. Uh, generally, it's hung on doors or above door frames, yeah. um, lintels, barns, especially to protect animals. Like, that's a big deal. Um, you can still see it in Ireland today. It's got a more Christian bent to it, um, just because it's to a saint rather than a goddess, but the idea endures, the magic endures. There's also, in Scotland, there's a a breed's uh, cloth, which is set out on Imolk and collects the dew, and then the dew is wrung out of the cloth and into a bottle and used for healing magic. Hmm. And the cloth itself is said to have healing properties. Um, Is it the same cloth? Yes. Until the... Yes, and there's some traditions that say that it can't fully be a cloth until it's seen seven years of use and can't Ah. be used until then, until it's embroidered with the seven of the crosses. And it's said that there's there's some level of matriarchy that's attached to Breeze. Like some traditions say, like some stories say that her cult was run entirely by priestesses, and her enclaves with the sacred fires could only be entered by women. Um, and that women Solid. are the and the women are the only ones who can embroider the the cloths. Um, I think this is not necessarily accurate. I think that binary gender didn't exist for these people in the same way it did oh, for 100%. us. Oh, hundred percent. But totally fem. But I think but I think it has it has more to do with societal roles and preferences. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course there's also bridgogs, which we have one here as well, which are little humanoid dolls of the goddess, and they're made as representations, and they're given like a bed with a wand. Um, and so this sort of invites her into the home and sort of asks her to bless the home. And the only other association I'd like to bring up before we talk about more about the practice, which I'm a little more excited about this time, I think that there's, there's so much information that I really, I really implore you to like read and listen and find out about for yourself. Yeah, this is one of the more prevalent celebrations. It's still relatively practiced. Yeah. More so than others. 
Um, I think it has to do with the sainthood. Yeah, it really does. Um, and so there's so many traditions, but one thing is, is there's a story in Scotland how the Ancaliach, the kind of the patron goddess of Scotland, Scotland there's, itself. There's one, yeah, really, literally. There's one tradition that says Ancaliach takes breed, or as they said in Scotland, her name is Bride, uh, as a prisoner. I prefer the narrative where actually they are one and the same. Ancaliach is just the crone version of Bridget, of Bride. And so at the turning of the seasons, she just changes how she looks. Mm -hmm. But that explains for me how they're both constantly present. They're just sort of different energies. I have gotten some backlash on that one when I've done work, though, where Ancaliach for me is just like, no, I am Scotland and you will not address me otherwise. <laughs> well, anyway, mean, yeah. But, but there's so much to explore. She's a really great goddess, and I think especially if you're just getting into magic and you're feeling uncomfortable with deities and stuff, she's very easy to, especially if you grew up in a Christian supremacist society, she's very easy to work into. Because some other deities, unless you know them or really like their energy... It's a little bit harder. Like, if you go, like, War God, they're like, Hah! Well, I mean, it's the same thing. It's the same idea as, you know, especially here in the U.S., we tend to do a lot of Greek and Roman mythology mm -hmm. in high school, and those tend to be easier gods and goddesses to, like, Just intro. know more. Yeah. yeah, intro connect with, because you've studied them yeah. and studied their stories. Uh, it's the same thing, you know. And it's the, the same thing how other faiths tend to use saints almost in deity figures. Yeah. They hold that power. And so sometimes it's easier yeah. to go that route. And also she tends to be really forgiving in my mind. Like she she appreciates effort above all else. Mm -hmm. Um but I mean that does that's not to say that like every deity, every spirit, every anything that you work with will have a part of that like if you if you if you do something they don't like then they will make it known to you. So like don't like be cavalier, but just, you know, be sincere. Yeah. Um, Makes sense. And so what I want to do, and if feels good to you, is really center our conversations around healing. Because right now, with a pandemic, with injustice, with well, the, the, the empowered rise of fascism, I feel like healing is a really big piece of magic that is so important and that can really be centered at this moment in time. Yeah, I mean... 100%. And it kind of connects with, so my intro to Imbolc has always been coming in the milk and a lot about almost shaking off the cobwebs of the, the like, winter slumber. Mm -hmm. Cobwebs of coming into spring because, you know, you can't just, like, start your spring chores of tending to livestock, you know, outright. There's a little bit of preparation, making sure all your tools are in order, all your, you're prepping for the spring cleaning so as soon as you can get rid of your winter overstock things that have gone bad over winter things you didn't need uh that you're ready for it so the the healing aspect of you know healing up your frostbite <laughs> yeah making sure you're warming up your muscles making sure you're warming up uh the the active high functioning pieces to come into spring and to come into summer and yeah it makes all sense so yeah so i mean for me i've kind of view it as like like you said the spring cleaning so I was reading a wonderful book that you bought me. Um, oh, yes. <laughs> about um, non-binary witchcraft, which was superfluous. I mean, not necessarily revolutionary for us because it's our standard procedure. But no, but it's nice to have someone that's really nice. put pen to paper for it. Yeah. But what, what, this, what, what this author wrote, and we will have to link in the description because I cannot remember their name. And... Uh, yeah, but I know the title of the book is Casting a Non-Binary Circle. Yeah, casting a 
Casting a Queer Circle. Casting a Queer Circle is someone there. Yeah, non-binary witchcraft. Anyways, um, th- was talking about, like, a s- emotional spring cleaning. Mm-hmm. Like, dealing with the emotions that you have, letting go of what can be let go, organizing what can be organized, and sort of trying to put yourself in order um, in preparation. And that doesn't necessarily... I mean, the process of emotional cleaning is also in itself messy. <laughs> um, cleaning is not clean. No. The end result is hopefully, but the um, what I what I like to think about for right now for myself is coming to terms with my <laughs> with with kind of my own story. Mm-hmm. So what is uncomfortable to me, and what can I sort of accept about that discomfort? Like what what all these things are part of my story, and denying them is foolish. But how can I better organize and utilize them? It's true. So, like, for example, like, um, like, uh, like, I was raised Roman Catholic. That's, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's part of my story. And the discomfort and harm that that experience caused me set me on the path to be in the great space that I am. Yeah, that's true. So how can I, how can I, you know, make that a not traumatic or re-traumatic response, but rather a productive one? Uh-huh. Like, um... What what about that? Can I put in order or f- for anxiety? Like, what are your triggers? Understanding your triggers, trying to find ways to cope, like doing that sort of work to to sort of understand yourself a little bit better. Are there any healing practices that you like to take on? Oh, at this time of year, uh, I like to do a lot of. Uh, I think of this time as a, a bridging time, bridging a lot of. A winter high magic thought right meditative moments into high practice so the what does it look like to actually physically clean um physically like cleaning up the, the stuff i've collected over over winter even if it's actual physical items not necessarily spiritual items so getting rid of all the extra papers um this also being a, having been a student for a really long time and now working in still education, um, this is break right. between semesters in university. So I actually literally do the getting rid of my stuff from the fall <laughs> uh, to prepare for spring. So I'm, I, I mean, I just finished our class. Classes are just starting. So I've finished now my spring syllabus for a class that I teach. I'm on a lot of committees that are looking at, like, uh, end of spring into summer. So it's a lot of, like, preparatory practices of getting used to just doing things in repetition and in a time when there's no deadlines for it. Mm. So just, like, testing a lot of practices. Like, is my, for me, is my syllabus going to work? Making sure my calendar fits so that when I officially start the spring... And, you know, sometimes, usually the spring semester starts a little bit before in-book, but it, it matches up pretty close that I'm pretty prepped to go for spring. So it's a lot of, like, preparations. And I like to do them, I don't want to say real life, because, you know, the spiritual life is real life, but, like, physical reality-based, actually preparatory things. So what I'm hearing is, like, not necessarily having your shit together, but starting to set up your temporal space to try to have your shit together. 
Yeah, you, uh, anticipating what's happening in the summer. If you know the summer is going to be particularly heavy on a certain thing, you're going to be moving, so it might look like what is spiritually doing the bit of the move look like, you know, letting go to the space, letting go mm -hmm. of the space that you already have, cleansing it if you are a person that particularly likes to cleanse the space when you move from it or moving into a new space, so setting up those items so you know where they are setting up what types of ritual like i see in bulka as the like gateway to almost this other half of the the wheel of the air so what are you gonna do for a star a star is like spring is here so do you have particular plants that you want to plant do you have a particular setup for your herbal garden if you are an herbalist do you have a particular setup for some of the more i i think fun summer rituals like what is what is our lunasta gonna look like right and I think it, what I'm being reminded of what we're doing now is, Emilka's also, it's not as necessarily um, meditative as perhaps Deep Winter, mm -hmm. but it's one of the less intense holidays. It's one of the ones that's kind of a little bit more contemplative, a little bit more um, kind of like calling in, call, calling in allies, found family, family, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Well, found family is family, but <laughs> like calling everybody in and being like around the hearth and being like it's cold outside what does everybody want to do but at the end of the day when you've done figuring out what you want to do like everybody just talks and hangs out together and spends time around the fire and like there's i think the what else other than healing there's also camaraderie involved like reestablishing the connections of community that have so, that have kind of fallen by the wayside in the stress <laughs> and darkness of winter oh yeah you can get to everyone else's house in the town yeah, as much over winter. It's, this is the first time it's a little bit warmer. Uh, we live in New York, so some of the harsh parts of winter are still to come. Right. But <laughs> so the major hard, cold nights are kind of past, so you can stay out a little bit longer. The days are a little bit longer. All those things. You can start like hanging out with The, the embers of hope begin to brighten and so with that i think comes the desire generally for people to connect with others yeah we we tend to be a pro-social species we depend on each other for our welfare mm. and so that's that's part of it too and i think something you mentioned in terms of like moving and whatnot is also i think it's a great time to also do the process of grieving so like if something doesn't serve you anymore part of the process of healing is eating that shit out a window <laughs> and grieving that because <laughs> even if it's good for you it's hard to give up on something even if it's toxic you know it's hard to give up on and doing the process of grieving so that come spring you're ready to you, the ground is set for you to grow new things and eat you had that to shit. you had to pull the toxic out to prep the ground but that doesn't mean that you didn't you know that there was it didn't have a place in your life and it doesn't mean that you shouldn't feel feels about it yeah so, i mean that's the whole point of the the spring clean comes in a star that's when you're like we're actually eating this shit we are dusting the shelves well, there's no time to think about it we've already decided what's staying and what's going oh sorry is a get moving we have shifted into kinetic energy let's go holiday in book is the prep for that yeah <laughs> because you can't eat something you haven't well i mean i guess you can eat something you haven't mourned doesn't always go out well no so this is the let me prep let me do, marie condo it hold it to my chest thank it for its purpose put it in the to-go pile so that combo star we can eat yeah. it out the door yeah and part of and i think part of that is you know 
especially right now, I think that for a lot of people that has to do with um, relationships to others. <laughs> Pandemic relationships to others, too. Yeah. So there's a lot of... And so choosing, you know, being realistic with yourself about who is toxic to me, who is not toxic to me, who have I been toxic to, and do I want to stop being that to them or remove myself from their life? Because, you know... If we're talking about this sort of healing, that also means being honest with yourself and appraising yourself. Nobody's perfect, and there are a lot of things we do, whether we intend to or not, that, like, we have to take stock. And that's also part of, like, an agricultural cycle that a lot of these beliefs are based on, is, like, you have to take stock and be like, do we have enough shit for the rest of this? <laughs> do we need to do something else? Do we need to change up? Do we need to ration? Do we need to figure out what we're doing? What's going on? And so healing work is never easy work and it doesn't stop at Imbol, you know, <laughs> it, it goes the whole year round and it's a constant process, but it, it's a reminder to think about it, to set in motion those practices. It's such a gentle time to do it. Breed's so nice about it. She is. <laughs> Would you rather do it on Samhain when you have arguably a bloodthirsty version? <laughs> like, do you want, I mean, if you're talking about the Gaelic tradition, yeah. Do you want blood bomb? Because you can have blood mom. And for some people, that is really what they want and what they need. Like, the Morrigan is that presence. For other people who are gentle and fragile like myself, I'd rather do it with Breed or Bridget or Mananon. Someone who's a little bit less, like, Hah! constantly. But, like, you know, if someone needs that. But it's, I think it's also a time when if you do have, like, a mother goddess who you want to bring in, this is a good time to renew those ties. Um, because motherhood... In my mind, what I've been thinking about is motherhood is not necessarily gendered. It's a role that I don't think has to be filled by a woman or a feminine presenting figure. I think there are plenty of men who are in their own way mothers or plenty yeah. of, of genderqueer people or agender people who fill a mother role. Mm -hmm. So, like, it depends on your experience, but it's a time of nurture, I think, is part of it. One hundred. So do we have any specific practices that we would like to suggest? Specific practices. <laughs> we may be too tipsy for this, but... Uh, no, I'm trying to think of things I've done for Imbol. Uh, for Imbol. What did we do with We that? did bonfire, very traditional. We made... We made um, yes, we did. We did a bonfire. Last year when we had this, our last in-person in <laughs> yeah, ritual... for the pandemic set. Um, with our, with our, our students... Um, we did a bonfire and a cleansing. So one yep. thing, one thing you wanted to cast away, mm -hmm. and one thing that you wanted to bring forth, you put in the castaway, make offerings. We did butter and milk and cheese and bread, and oatmeal. Oh yes, yeah, so our students were real obsessed with oat milk. Yeah, we were doing the oat milk thing, and then I um, really skeeved by uh, grass-fed milk because I had the fat cap. Yeah. <laughs> that was fun just like watching people be like oh and we're like it's milk this is what milk is like <laughs> um but um and we made the offerings and then we threw into the fire so we did a purification one and then we did a sort of throw it into the fire to manifest to bring to bring forth the manifest Mama. and we and we also had a great experience about a visualization where people visualize different things and gods appear in different ways to satisfy different people and that's okay uh, yes, we had a... We, we had a... My visualization was very, very Irish. Yes. Was very Gaelic. Yeah. But the but some of our folks who were of, of Latinx origin, 
envisioned a very Latinx breed, and I'm like, yeah, because that's how that works. Oh uh, yes, yeah, because we had them do a visualization as they manifested what they wanted. They literally manifest a breed coming out of the fire. Yeah. Yes, I remember that. Years before, I've done uh, almost a similar thing, uh, just focusing on the manifest side of. Uh, draw a fate for the summer mm. like the thing you uh need to manifest for the summer because it's it's good because it's uh again following agriculture because again a lot of our traditions are based off right. of agricultural cycles you pick out your seeds before you plant them so you spend in bulk to pick out what you want to plant for the year so that come ostara you're not making wibbly wobbly decisions you are actually just planting right and you're also preparing for all of the babies Mm-hmm. And so that takes some, you know, that takes some, Ingenuity. some build and building yourself up because much like any sort of like, I like to think, you know, I've oh. loved kind of, I kind of like the, um, the allegory of like your ideas and plans and ambitions are kind of like your children. And unfortunately up until the modern period and depending on where you live, even now, um, not all, not all babies survive animal or human uh-huh. through times. And so sometimes you have to magically emotionally acknowledge that sometimes your your things don't make it and that's okay yeah. like that that's an unfortunate reality nowadays it's a little bit more difficult politically with actual human beings because like there's other politics in there but we're talking Nation from a historic politics uh, we're talking from a historical perspective what's only. the what's the tree that birthed the nation state uh, Westphalia. Thank you, true Westphalia. <laughs> Thank you, Max, for that. I don't think he listens to this. No, nah, I don't think so. If he does, hey, Max. Yeah. You never know. You never know. <laughs> but manifesting that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, do you have anything else you want to bring up for our low key podcast? Oh, I mean, coming into today's time, what do you think is really important? So, like, healing feels desperate now yeah that's like, a great there's a point. desperation around healing now and not even not necessarily like healing to a good space but just like healing to survive right like bandaging the uh hemorrhaging wound that you have in your side just to hopefully come out of it on the other sides so why do you think okay so i think for me it comes there there are three diff four different levels there's the personal there's the communal there's the political and there's the spiritual. Mm-hmm. And I'll start from spiritual first for me is like just really reconnecting, doing what we've talked about this whole time, which is connecting to what brings you strength in your faith. Enjoy. Enjoy. Bring explore your heritage. Whether whatever that means to you, whatever you connect to. Like a lot of us have a lot of different heritage going on. We live in a globalized world where our family trees are pretty complicated, but generally we tend to adapt you know, associate ourselves with a particular tradition. Mm-hmm. Explore that tradition. And don't necessarily view it as, like, I have to reconstruct my 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 ancestors. No, find what brings you strength and bring it to the now. Mm-hmm. Like, I've given up on the idea of, like, I'm never, ever going to, nor do I really want to live what my ancestors lived, but I'm taking the things that gave them strength and spiritual purpose and making them work for me now. And then making a future for them. Yeah. Um... On a personal, emotional level, taking time for self-care. Like, that's so important right now. And depending on your situation, that can look different. Depends on what you need. Depends on where you're at. 
um, depends on what level of amount of time you have to do it, but really being intentional about the practices that give you that capacity to heal. Yeah. I think in a, in a pandemic time, it's important to, in whatever ways you can, situate yourself healing as a communal process. Yeah. Because we're already isolated because of the pandemic. So you're self-healing while before pandemic, the narrative is always self-healing is very solo, individual, it's self-healing. But it's it's not. It shouldn't be. But pandemic makes that even more necessary that your self-healing becomes a part of a communal practice. Like, how are you making sure that you're not reaching out to others to make sure they're okay, but reaching out to others to make sure that you're communicating where you're at authentically um not even so that they can help you but so that you're keeping up the practice of just like telling people what's going on in your life that's becoming incredibly difficult because we just don't do it as often we don't see each other yeah and if you really struggle to be a person who knows how to heal yourself find your healers there's there are lots of people like i i relatively identify myself as a healer I'm happy to take on that spiritual work for others. That's my vocation. Mm-hmm. And also, if you can't support your healers, all of us are human too, and we have all of us have needs too. And if you're and if you are, you know, active in a community, especially in terms of social justice, there are healers, and you know, often they need support in terms of either personal support or mm-hmm. money. You know, if you have the capacity to do so, contribute to healers, even if they don't directly heal you, but they help contribute to. The more healthy the community, it also impacts you. Mm-hmm. And so that's part of on the communal level is also if you have the capacity, reach out to community, build community in this time of like where really fighting for justice is such a big part of our lives. You know, be engaged because the more we do for our communities, the more we take steps on the process of healing. Mm-hmm. And also being willing to do the work of, like, of education, of working together, of accepting uncomf- discomfort and, <laughs> and using that as not necessarily, uh, not a place work. of fear. Yeah. Um, but discomfort doesn't have to be, su- there's a difference between discomfort and suffering. Discomfort drives you to grow. Suffering stunts your growth. Yeah. So if it becomes suffering, then it's a time to step back and say, what self-care do I need to do for myself to bring myself back to a place of discomfort and growth? Because discomfort means you want to learn more. There's something that you... For me, what I think of it is, is, is it's, it's like a stone in your shoe. It's like, I really want to find that stone and figure out what that stone is. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a labor of love and curiosity. Mm-hmm. Suffering is being unable to grasp and cope with something and it becomes a problem. Yeah. So kind of f- start to do that situation. And then politically is really find your people and <laughs> close ranks. Find your people, close ranks, but also don't silo. I've seen yeah. just over time so many people, like, and even I think particularly in magical faith communities or pagan communities, they tend to only want to support pagan communities in terms of their healing. But it's like, if the community is centered around a Catholic church, a Baptist church, uh, a mosque, uh, a synagogue, donating money to that is not a betrayal of your faith because those are the healers of 
this community because that's the predominant majority. Right, and and that also and that also you can find an op and if it feels right, like find an opportunity for interfaith dialogue. Oh like, yeah, they like you are you can you are part of your community in a wider sense and also the magical faith and thus the faith community. And if, you know, if there are problems, because we do live in a Christian supremacist and therefore sort of, sort of Abrahamic supremacist society, you're also, that gives you a voice to critique. Yeah. And, and, and be like, yes, I understand the oppressions you experience, but also the oppressions you create for everyone who isn't you. <laughs> and let me, it's and true. let us work together on that. Um, because I understand the trigger and the suffering that a lot of magical faith people experience just a lot of us have bad experiences with Christianity in particular. That doesn't necessarily make Christianity a bad thing. It makes Christian supremacy a bad thing. Exactly. And it doesn't mean that by participating with or helping out Christians that doesn't betray our faith. It just mm -hmm. shows the strength of our faith. It's the same thing of finding, finding people who do good work. Like, mm -hmm. Catholic Charities has a, a history but Catholic Charities on its on its large arc of work does great work. Mm. And me being someone who does magical faith doesn't have to be like, well, I'm not going to donate to Catholic Catholic Charities because it's Catholic Charities. You still do you donate to the people who do good work. Yeah. Just in general. Absolutely. It's it's a difficult place to maneuver just because there are like there's so much interlocking trauma and oppression mm -hmm. and that's part of the injustices of our world and that's why we will never see an end to this healing process it'll never be completed in our lifetimes but if we want it to happen and we start it now then someday our descendants either by blood or culture will experience the fruits of our labor mm -hmm. and that gives me peace. I want to pass down my faith and my ethics to the next generation, whether they be my own children or the people that I mentor along the way, because what we've developed here on this podcast between Ian and myself, Ian and myself and our students and all, <laughs> all the people that we know, it's a faith that I think is worth, it's a great gift to give um, the next generation. And so whatever gift you have to give, you know, gift wrap it. <laughs> that's part of that's part of the healing process too is get is, is gift wrap and also live in it you know don't yeah. just leave it there you live it too if that makes any sense <laughs> and yeah and like try to get out of your own bubble sometimes there's so much to learn inside of your own practice there's always new things to learn new new deities to meet new spiritual beings to just interact with, new stories to read, new books to buy, new stones and trinkets and incense and flashy gear to purchase. But there's also something to learn from other faiths. And it's it's more so, it's, it's the devilish sort of being not a non-established religion. We have so much freedom to just define what's ours because there's no playbook. And there really hasn't ever been a playbook, but there's no playbook. True. But that doesn't mean that we should shun and move away from the more established faiths who may have caused us and may contribute to a system of supremacy. But they still have lessons and still have amazing partnerships and still have amazing uh, friendships and great work to be done together. Right, and also recognizing that 
this supremacy mindset has created an idea of a past of silos that never existed. The world didn't operate in a vacuum. Mm -hmm. People were trading ideas and beliefs with each other for all of human, all of human time. Like if you look at all these different things are interconnected, like Christianity is a faith of gestalt. It's basically, it's Zoroastrianism, it's Judaism, it's Buddhism, it's classical paganism. It's mm -hmm. all these different things all layered together. And then, and so everything has something to share and also everything's part of each other's history. Like neo-paganism, we're looking to a pre-Christian, for Europe at least, we're looking to a pre-Christian past and our ancestors and trying to recapture those practices and strengths. But we'll never escape from the fact that in the meantime, ourselves have been informed by an Abrahamic reality of like almost 2,000 years, depending yeah. on where you lived in Europe. Yeah. And that's unescapable. It doesn't make it invalid. It doesn't make it the center of our practice, but it's also everything informs each other because Christianity didn't invent compassion. It didn't invent all these things that it prides itself on. Yeah. It got it from the people that lived beforehand. It just had a different way of packaging it. Yeah. And so those those realities are every all of those beliefs are valid in some way it's just what gives you strength mm -hmm. and acknowledging that validity doesn't isn't a challenge to your faith it's rather just allowing your your strength of faith to allow other worldviews to exist mm -hmm. and if we could learn anything from breed is taking the macaroni art on the fridge perspective of yeah. Everybody does great work in their own right, and we should find ways to celebrate the joyous parts because we're coming into spring. We're coming into an active time of us connecting, and hopefully pandemic coming to a wrap-up. Fingers hopefully. crossed. <laughs> so we need to repractice the, like, not holding each other to a ridiculously high standard that is a near impossible, if not the impossible to manage yeah. of... Taking each other as they are, holding each other accountable in the ways that we can, and just asking ourselves yeah. to move forward. And above else, don't be afraid to make mistakes. Like, yep. mistakes are so important. As my mother says, anything worth doing is worth doing poorly. Meaning, yep. anything worth you worth doing is at least worth trying. And, you know, if you need to, run the dishwasher tw twice. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you just can't do the best job, but... As long as it, as long as you try to get it done, you know, and remember in magical faith, time is not a thing. Why should it be a thing in the real world? Sometimes timelines get extended a lot and that's okay too. It's true. You have enough time to do it a million times, a million plus infinite amounts of times. Just take the time, get it right. Keep trying. It's, it's really valid to feel urgency in this time. Mm -hmm. But some of that urgency is not necessarily It's fabricated. Real. It's pressure. It's a capitalist well, reality yeah. of limited resources. Time, unbeknownst to most people, is actually not a limited resource. No. It's infinite. Well, not necessarily my lifetime, but time itself is infinite. It's infinitely in the past, infinitely in the future. There's enough time to get it done. Absolutely. Well, in book. Yeah. In a shell. <laughs> in a drunk that shell. Yeah. So, I guess that means any wrap-up? I, I think that was kind of... I think it was our wrap-up. <laughs> I think what we're saying is, is no matter how much we've bitched, this is a kind of a time of renewal. And, <laughs> and I feel like we've, we've, we've brought some more hope from the embers here. 
It's true. I'm ready for springtime. I, <laughs> for as much as uh, my family is from Eastern Europe, cold, wintry, and I've grown up in New York and lived in New York my entire life, I don't like winters. I'm ready for spring. I am a winter child, so I'm fine. <laughs> I like my crones and bikinis. Uh, you can take that image for what you will. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> um, so, shall we kind of wrap up our ritual segment? Yeah, I guess it's just time to say goodbye yeah. to breathe and then we'll say goodbye to all of you people. All our friends out there. So, um, Blessed Breed, Briege, Bride, Bridget, Brigantia, please, um, as we've said before, please be a warm and hopeful present in our lives for those of us who accept it. And please enjoy our macaroni pictures of human effort. Um, we thank you for your warmth and your presence and your hope and compassion and opening our minds to accepting other worldviews without seeing them as an existential threat as our culture of extremes is wont to do. We know that you do not disappear after Imolk, but rather your influence lasts throughout the year, but we take this time to honor you. Thank you for being with us and with this podcast, and if our listeners wish it, with them. And we wish you a blessed be. Hail and farewell. Hail and farewell. And to you, our listeners, this has been a full wheel. Wild, isn't it? Wild. Wild. That was bad. That was weak. <laughs> that was weak. I'm sorry. Um, next episode. So, this second cycle, the infographic pieces are going to slowly shrink away because we've done that. Yeah, we're gonna, I think we're going to focus more on discovery and practice and new thoughts and oh yeah discoveries. So next up is Ostara, which comes March 21st, 22nd, 23rd-ish. And I think we'll be revisiting Marzana's Day. Oh yes, burn the hex. It's a shank-a-bitch holiday if ever there was one. <laughs> Hard-boiled eggs, brogies, and... Fire galore! Woo, woo! So, but uh, uh, our next, our next actual episode will be our February episode where we're going to talk about winter crones. Oh yeah, we haven't. We, yeah, that's that's next. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so uh, if it's not, we're dirty liars. But uh, sorry, oopsies. It's our podcast. It is. But um, find us on the social medias. Yeah, Crone Porch Facebook, Crones Porch Twitter and Instagram. We're not super social media yeah. as people. We're working on that. You We're can, in a weird flux time. You can write us an email at the uh, cronesporch at gmail.com. Yeah, and you can find us wherever podcasts are disseminated. We're not paid for this, so uh, I don't really know where we our podcast is. <laughs> we would really, really love to hear from you. We say that every time, but we really, really love to hear from you. Uh, if you, uh, no, I'm not going to open that can of worms. That's a later time. Ian's going to stop talking about that. So, uh, thanks. Uh, I will say shlan. And I was a dozen Bye-bye.